Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon, and together with my husband, Marcus Dillon, we lead Who's Really the Boss podcast, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. Welcome back to another episode of Who's Really the Boss? Hey, thanks for having me back. So just <laughs> wanted to go off of uh, smile and act like you like each other. Yeah. <laughs> How awkward do we get when <laughs> we are taking like family photos or doing anything and it's like the the couple shot that the photographer always wants to do and they're like, okay, now turn and look at each other. Yeah. <laughs> Those never Never Ever turn out. Turn out. Yeah. <laughs> Never turn out. Like, just let us smile and pose. Like, <laughs> that's the only way it's going to work. It's not like, th- we're just awkward. <laughs> like, now, you know, I mean, just load it into AI and produce the best shot possible, right? Like, yes. we kind of look like that. You know, it's fine, but whatever. Maybe that's what happens, you know, coming up. Like, they just take like a, a front shot, a profile shot, the back shot, and they just make the poses and the pictures however yeah <laughs> like filter get those wrinkles and blemishes out and let's move on it'll be great <laughs> so today we're talking about when people won't change when you can see that they need to change sometimes they can even recognize that there needs to be a change but they're not quite sure this often comes up um for me, when I'm talking to prospects, they're calling because there's a problem. Like people don't call a to CPA yeah. <laughs> to hang out, <laughs> like to chat. Um, usually calling a CPA firm is not like a, a luxury, like, oh, I finally made it to this point. Like, it's not like going to the spa, getting a manicure, massage. It's not that kind of item, uh, buying the name brand you know, maybe car or suit or, you know, it's nothing like that. So calling us typically there's a pain point. Yeah. And you can't change others is the other, (laughs) um, I guess, asterisk or disclaimer on all of this website or episode, not website. (laughs) Um, so you can't change others. So it's also identifying how you help people, on their journey of identifying that they may need to change. Yeah. So I was recently listening to uh, a seminar on sales, um, which I did love that immediately he started with marketing and sales are not the same thing. So if, if you came, you know, to listen to this and you're thinking one thing, I'm going to tell you, this is, directly a sales conversation. Um, but something interesting that he said, and I thought this would be good to share. Everyone should know this, that if it doesn't come naturally to you, which our audience may be a lot of CPAs or other introverts like us, that when you're having a conversation, someone has called you and you're having a sales conversation that building rapport with that person, um, Immediately, that's like your first goal. That's your first task is to build rapport. And you cannot move on to any of the rest of that conversation until you've built that rapport. And 
he's like, so how do you know, (laughs) especially if you're on the phone or awkwardly on a video call, which is what we are now, how do you know you've built rapport? And the way you know is you get them to laugh. And if they're as awkward as you are, maybe you get them to smile. (laughs) Maybe there's some nuts you can't crack. Um, But yeah, that you can't, you can't move on and start telling them your list of services and prices and how awesome your team is until they trust you. And one sure sign to know that you've built that rapport is that you've gotten them to laugh. So having them laugh is a success. Uh, <laughs> if you're just laughing at them. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the same. They might not like you as much, right? The point of building rapport is that they like you. Fail, you're failure could at be, them. yeah, you, you're laughing at them or <laughs> you're laughing at your own jokes, you know, trying to think through and they're just like dead set silence. So um, going to that sales, and I know this is kind of going down, like usually our industry, we are so bad at sales because we Which are- Which is why there had to be a seminar for it. Yeah. <laughs> there had to be a dedicated class, like a one hour time block <laughs> to talk about this. So if you're not the best person to have those conversations, don't put yourself in a situation to have those conversations because what we see time and time again is if you are that typical introvert, want to fix the puzzle, want to solve people's problems and leave them better off than you found them, you're going to, on that call, listen to their problem, fix their problem because you want to get off that call. <laughs> and, and that's the piece that... You say, don't want to build it for you. You just want to solve the problem and move on about the day. You just want to solve the problem and go back to your puzzle that you're putting on hold right now. And all the while, you didn't make any income. You solved someone's problem for free, probably. And... While you did leave them better off than before, they're probably going to have the same problem pop back up or, or not have it fully solved. So all that to say, like, maybe you're not the best person to have those conversations. <laughs> so potentially as a sales professional or as a leader or as a parent, you know, it's always easier to recognize that there needs to be a change in someone else versus yourself. Why'd you point at me? Yeah. <laughs> yourself, not myself. Um, that you need to, that there needs to be a change. Uh, but John Maxwell, listening to uh, his Maxwell Leadership podcast, said that there's really three times when people are ready to change, when people are actually going to make a change. So being able to recognize or being able to facilitate um, people into that season so that they can make a change and get better. Uh, I know for you and me, that's what drives us every day is to help people around us get better. Um, I guess we could say like it's a hobby (laughs) for the two of us to make self-improvement to make ourselves better. Um, But then I guess because we find joy in that and fulfillment in that, it's just multiplied when we're able to help those closest to us, those around us do the same thing. Yeah, I would would say it's probably not a hobby. It's probably a calling. Uh, (laughs) There's there's better hobbies to have um, that are a lot more fun. I don't know. I think Leslie and I are probably on the same page here that this (laughs) self-improvement, self-development is probably in our list of top things that we enjoy doing. We would spend our free time to do it. (laughs) Self-improvement. on yourself, not others. I'll give you that. Um, (laughs) But whenever you say your hobby um, could be fixing others, that is a frustrating hobby. And Uh. hobbies are meant to 
be fun. No, not fix others. We can't fix others. We already, you already gave that disclaimer at the beginning. You cannot make someone else change. There yeah. is nothing you can do, but to help them grow into, to move towards a place to where they can recognize or where they might be ready, you know, to make a change. Have fun That's with that. <laughs> don't push back this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't don't push back on this, or then the you know episode ends here. <laughs> Thanks and, so much for yeah, coming. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So with that, um, what was the first piece to actually get people to where you think that they'll change? So people will make a change um, when they're hurting enough that they have to. And again, according to John Maxwell. No, according to real life. I'm like, I'm no expert. I have lived this to know, um, but hurting enough that they want to. Yeah. And I think we see that in prospects. Going back to that example, um, the reason why they called is because they had a pain point of something that's going wrong. Um, They owe too much tax. They missed a deadline. They got (laughs) denied for the bank loan. They they ran out of cash. Uh, Who knows? And all of those different pain points are where we help solve. And, you know, we look at financial organization and tax planning and business planning as kind of our place in the market and how we optimize all those to give a business owner a better path. Um, the pain, the prospects that come to us living through pain are much better clients than prospects that come to us without ever having experienced pain. Yeah, for sure. And also ones that we can recognize and say, yeah, they're most likely going to convert to a client from a prospect because they can identify what's causing their frustration. And they know that we solve these things based on what I've told them, what they've read, who they've talked to, you know, all of those things. So then it's like, okay, they're highly likely that they will become clients. This is fresh and this may be a little bit too soon, but we just had a prospect become a client and then they had never gone through the pain of owning a business. And they went through onboarding, became a client, and there was some pushback with their office manager about how things are done in the new business. And this was a business that they acquired and the office manager, um, we we don't know that person, but they felt very confident and how things should be done, which were about two decades old, and convinced the owner that we're not needed and um, just go along with the flow. And that's job security for the office manager, obviously. And she's not um, having any oversight. Uh, so it's kind of scary for the new owner. But the new owner came to us, opted into being a client without having lived through much pain, just the uncertainty of what was in the future. And I think not having that pain allowed her to easily, you know, make the decision to, to not have our services any longer and rely on the office manager, which hopefully that works out for them. But other business owners who actually have lived through the pain become deeper relationships because they know, and they don't want to experience that pain again. It's um, for that person, for that owner who is going to now rely on that one single office manager. It's just good luck. I hope, I I truly hope that nothing bad happens, but 
history they repeats won't know. itself. Yeah, yeah, and they 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 won't be able to recognize that there's a problem until it's a really big, costly problem. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that doesn't happen. For us, we changed. <laughs> we changed at DBA. We changed from a high volume um, of tax returns, tax focused to from accepting anybody who called and were willing to pay whatever fee we set out for them to highly relational, high value, uh, smaller number of clients, smaller number of projects, um, firm because we had to. So we did not have capacity. We were young once upon a time and we had the energy to do it. And then after doing it for a couple of years, we realized we didn't want to do it. And then we started realizing with our kids and schedules and values and priorities of what we actually wanted to do that we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it that same way anymore. So we literally had to change. So the pain was so great with how we were operating our firm. I don't know, seven years ago, however many, eight years ago, um, that we had to start making a change and transition to what it is now to where the things that are important and should be priority are priority, um, but that we can give now way better, way better service than we ever could have given to the, it was just too many relationships yeah. of clients. Yeah. And I think the the hard thing is we've lived through that pain. So we have empathy for others that have lived through that pain as you know, we're preparing for some, um, upcoming events. And I was asked why, what led to the point where we had to change. And whenever you go from like a theory conversation to a real world application, and you're trying to explain what that pain felt like to somebody that's looking at it from a theory concept, it's so difficult to connect the dots and know that you've lived through it and others who have lived through similar, they get it. So I think that's why having done that in our businesses and our team done that and lived through that change, it's that much more of a connection and a relationship to others that are seeking um, solution to that pain. All right. You want to move on? To the next, <laughs> next uh, season or catalyst, uh, the scenario of life that might allow someone to recognize it's time to change and want to, um, that they've learned enough that they want to. They've learned enough about something that they want to go for it. They want to try it. They want to change. Yeah. I think the uh, piece there is have have they seen a brighter future, a, a bigger path um, to go down? And is that more exciting than staying the same or um, just getting the person motivated and prompting them to change is kind of the thought behind that. So for us, it was the path was laid out that this is there's others doing it differently. And the way we were able to identify that is by surrounding ourselves with people who are better, smarter, stronger than us. And just taking a little bit of, of our dream and applying it to their situation that they had done. And it gives you that inspiration, that motivation, that things are going to be better on the other side of all the transition. And then that's what prompts you to put one foot out and start that change in our case. Yeah. I think we've seen this with 
people who <laughs> weren't necessarily looking to become clients or looking to become team members. But then as they heard about like what we were doing, they wanted to be a part of that. They understood, okay, this is the reason that you would want to have your bookkeeping, your payroll and your tax preparer, your CPA, your professional working all together, <laughs> talking about this, you know, on a monthly or more basis um, to really find the benefits and the opportunities for you personally, for you and your business, for your tax position and tax savings. Um, all of those things work together versus, well, I do have a bookkeeper and I do have a payroll company and I do have my CPA. And yeah, it really sucks whenever I call my CPA for this payroll notice and they won't answer it. And they send me to the payroll company which is a 1-800 number. And I don't really like calling them. That's why I prefer to call the CPA. I feel like they're, <laughs> you know, I feel like they can answer my question faster, but they can't do anything about it. And then my CPA has all these questions for my bookkeeper who's like done and has already sent that file over. So yeah. um, they just find out that there's a better way. And then they're like, maybe this is something better. Or they find out we don't work. 60 or 70 hours, you know, four months out of the year, uh, maybe I could go back to work. I could just work during the time that my kids are at school. Maybe I could, you know, like maybe I could do this. Maybe I, I have been wanting to work. I just didn't want to work those hours. So when they yeah. learn that there's another option, then they want to make the change. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I think the going from self-reflection and, and doing everything that you possibly can to learn about that situation. I think real life examples help that. Um, you can read and read and read, but until you see somebody or in my situation, until you see somebody else that's actually doing it, I'm hesitant to want to change because mm -hmm. the what we've seen is the writer, the speaker, they may talk a good game, but they don't have any of that experience experience that actually applies in my situation. And I think it does go that much further when there's a real world case study example, living proof to back up what you've learned. Yeah. And I, I just remember, do you remember a million years ago when I worked out at the Y and even that, even that was um, a change that my friend Brooke had pulled me into was going to like lift weights, but it was a group exercise. So it was safe. Like it wasn't heavy anything. And then you wanted to do CrossFit. <laughs> and I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> We're not doing that. We don't, we don't do that. <laughs> That's not for us. Uh, I've seen these people on TV or whatever, you know, and then as we started talking, you started talking about it more and more, and then started to learn about and really look at in real life, who does this and, you know, what is it required? What's going to be asked of me? How am I going to, am I going to actually be able to do what they're doing? Um, and so we started CrossFit, but it was, it was not until that time until we did that. And within that, like in the CrossFit gym that I learned about how to lift weights and how to do certain things. Now I do that on my own with no one leading and I, want to do that. And so I just, I was able to learn enough. Now I had to do it to learn it, but was able to learn enough that I didn't want to just run 
as my exercise. That running, that's easy. I didn't have to learn. You probably could learn and get better. I didn't have to learn anything. I could just go out and do it. Um, but before I started my weightlifting journey, I had to really learn a lot about it before I really wanted to do that as my activity. Yeah. And for me, I learned, was on that journey with you. And then I learned too much and I'm like, ah, oh, that's not for me anymore. You know, <laughs> so I, I'm cool on the couch, you know, so, uh, don't sign me up for cardio. Uh, that's the, the piece there. So nice. Um, okay. And last area, and this one felt challenging probably to both of us. Um, so the first one that you hurt enough that you have to change the second area that you learn enough that you want to change. And then the third that you receive enough that you're able to change. Yeah. And we have question marks by that one as we were preparing for this. Um, so uh, just let's talk it out. Uh, I think the ultimate piece that we landed on was affirmation. And so affirmation personally, like individual affirmation, like I can do this, like little engine that could, um, maybe external affirmation, others that are speaking into you, like CrossFit, you got this. Have you seen those other people that do it? Like, come on. Um, you, you, had to, you had to see the right people. You couldn't see the commercial like advertisement on yeah. TV. You had to see the the real life that it's all every day. Right? And, you actually, and you have to go buy the gear, you know, uh, <laughs> spend hundreds of dollars on the right things. Nice. Well, I think too, like receiving enough that you're able to change uh, that's not necessarily in your control that you can do it yourself, right? That's like an external that somebody's giving so that hmm. you're, you're able to provide that for someone else, or you have to allow someone to provide that to you. And that's probably why it might be a little bit harder for the two of us to not be in control of that, you know, aspect. But really that someone needs to receive encouragement and support, like to know that maybe even grace to know that I'm able to try this or able to change because if I fail, it's not the end of the world. Or if it doesn't go as planned, like failure is not going to be punished it most likely will be celebrated because you're going to try something different. Now, you know, it doesn't work and now you can go and figure out what else could work. Um, but I think, yeah, receiving is going to come externally. So being able to provide that for someone else that maybe it's that you're providing that there's a way out. Yeah. So if, if we're saying, you know, receiving and you, I use the analogy of coaching. Um, you're getting coaching and kind of getting to that point. Are you saying that based on those three pieces that you can't change all on your own? So, the, yeah, so three different scenarios. So hurt enough, you learn enough, or you need to receive enough. It would be like a different case scenario that you there has to be another person that's coming alongside you um, because if we look at, if we look at how we did DBA's transformation again, not overnight. I feel like when I say that word, we're like the TV shows 24 hours later, you look completely different. Um, but we were working with a coach. So we were working with Amy who was helping us along the way. And how are we able to change? She was helping provide 
a roadmap and support when we got stuck at any one point. So we were able to change because we could see a future and a plan of something different. Um, We could see that there was something different that we wanted. And then we hired someone to help us make that a reality, like help us with the how, how do I get there? So definitely. Yeah, no, I think, um, so that, that third scenario, whether it's through affirmation or some other type of motivation to keep you going, I I think then you actually, it's, it's very hard to start the wheels, like to, to push the car, um, and get it to actually start having some momentum, but yeah, I think that third part is very helpful. Yeah. When I think about what, like, receive enough, when I think about the type of person that that might come from is almost like somebody with perfectionist tendencies where they just don't want to mess up. And so they have to have some, you know, almost like a, a safety net of the the consequences good good or bad are not going to like kill me like it's not going to be the end of the world if yeah. this doesn't turn out the way i to my expectations no that's fair yeah. all right well so we've got heard enough learn enough and receive enough yeah so i think identifying if we are looking at in the area of a prospect calling in um you know, to be a new client, if you can kind of determine where they need your support, where you can facilitate helping them want to make that change. Um, as a parent, (laughs) if you can, you know, help determine where maybe that child is in that, in that point and help them move along. I think being able to recognize when people will change and just, if you know, then you can kind of help move them along. Yeah. So do you just show the prospect or the child, the Purdue Pharma Oxycontin, like (laughs) facial, (laughs) like scale from one to 10, how hurt are you? You know, I don't even know how you weaved that in. Um, You're welcome. But (laughs) there you go. There you go. Yeah. No, if, if I, if I can get, if anyone can get someone to like say their pain point, that's like my ideal conversation with someone because immediately I'm not going to beat around the bush. Like if we solve that problem, I'm going to tell them how we solve that problem. Um, and why we're the best at it. And then if we don't solve that problem, I'm going to tell them we don't solve that problem. You can call this person and this person, um, and get them on their way to a better position than where they are now. So it's just a matter of asking that conversation. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a matter, matter of listening, of question, asking questions yeah. and listening and not going straight in with Fluff. yourself, like yourself, like yeah. not going straight in with all about me, yeah. all about me or all about the business or all about the service or whatever it might be. So to summarize, care about people, Be curious about people and listen to people.
Yeah, I've got those mastered. So that's good. <laughs> you, you got the first two and then the third. What'd you say? Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> this has been a great conversation. All right. Thanks. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. Leave us a review with your thoughts, comments, and feedback on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.